Howdy, you're listening to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. Hope you enjoyed the talk. Hi, howdy. Howdy. Uh, hey, welcome to RUF Worship Night. I just want to add my voice of welcome. Special welcome to like new faces. We love uh, new folks coming. So glad that you're here. You know, my name's William. I'm the campus minister here for RUF. Maggie Alden was up here earlier. Um, she is our, our female intern. George hanging out in the back there. He's our guy intern. We would love to meet with you, hang out with you, talk to you about Jesus, talk to you more about RUF. We, we are here for you. We're a resource. Um, so please just come, like, you know, tug our sleeve and get our number, and, and we'd love to hang out with you. So um, a few, just another little housekeeping item. Uh, so for winter conference, because that is the season we are in, not fall. Winter conference um, is... Uh, the deadline to sign up is Saturday. So get your sign-ups in now. And if you come to me and be like, hey, it's past Saturday. I know that's the deadline. Can I sign up? I'll say, yeah, yeah, you can. But <laughs> sign up on Saturday so we can get a head count in because that's important. Um, okay. And, and again, like Maggie said, if we never want money to be a thing that gets between you and coming to one of our conferences, we have very generous donors. They give a lot of money. Um, it's not like an endless supply, but there, there is money and generous hearts that, that want it to um, go towards your, your conference experience. So uh, please, please come talk to me about that. Um, okay, I think, that's, I think that's good. All right, so this semester, we are doing a sermon series as we normally do on a particular section of the Bible. And this semester, we're looking at a specific section of the book of Psalms called the Songs of Ascent. Okay, so these were the songs that the people of Israel would sing together as they journeyed from, you know, all across Israel is they would journey three times a year as the, the Torah, the law, required of them for the three festivals um, of Israel. So these were these like pilgrimage songs that they would sing on the way and on the road. And so they map out this kind of neat experience of this upward journey towards God. And physically an upward journey because Jerusalem was high on a mountain. So there's this physical ascent. But as we talked about last week, there's, there's that like spiritual, metaphorical ascent too that we can all connect with and relate with, right? This upward journey of the Christian life of journeying with and towards God. And so last week, we looked at Psalm 120. That's the first song of ascent. And it was just this, this wake-up call, kind of like a smelling salts song uh, where the, the psalmist had this moment of realization as he looked around and went, this world is broken, so am I, <laughs> and I want something to fix this. Um, I, I need to spiritually travel to a place where there's like real, authentic, um, and like wholeness, where there is peace, where we talked about the Hebrew word for that, shalom. Like, I need the real, authentic 
life. Okay, and so now at the, the second song of ascent, uh, you've got the psalmist. Who, he's, he's woken up from his slumber, and he's begun his journey. All right, and so as this person looks up, starts his journey, he's looking at this upward ascent, and it's like just mountains. Maybe these are just like the foothills in front of him, and then the mountains behind that. And that it starts off with this mood of like, oh, well, those are, those are pretty big. <laughs> this, this is maybe going to be a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. Maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew. Okay, so that's the mood at the beginning. So let's, let's read and see, see where it goes from there. So Psalm 121, follow along here. Uh, you've got it on your bulletin. <coughs> Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we, as we just enter into the experience of, um, of the psalmist, uh, Lord, and, and we're just kind of at the, the beginning stages of thinking through what does it look like to journey towards God? What, what is the, the shape and the form of, of the Christian life and Christian discipleship, um, I, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would bring comfort to us, and most importantly, Lord, is like this, this is your word, um, that there would be just a confidence that would fall on us that like this isn't just some kind of like neat academic exercise of, of looking at some kind of ancient Near Eastern poetry. Um, this isn't, you know, like, hey, I'm just kind of trying to inflate my Bible knowledge here on a random Wednesday night. Uh, but the, Lord, the thing that's happening here above all things is that we would know that we are hearing from the very lips of you, of our Creator, Creator of all things, and that. From your words, we would feed and we would have life, real life even. And it's in your name we ask these things. Amen. All right, so on paper, I think we all know better than what I'm about to describe. But even still, there is just this line of thinking that pierces into the Christian life. And it kind of goes like this. All right, I'm a Christian, maybe even a new Christian. I've recently gotten serious about my faith. Okay, and I'm like, I'm praying now, and I'm worshiping, and, you know, I'm, I'm lo- worshiping with a local body of Christians, etc., etc. And even though, like, I walked into the Christian faith through this door of, like, I've become convinced, like, I'm a sinner. I sin. I have sin. The thing that comes out of me, what comes out of my insides, is sin. And there is a God who is good 
And he is holy and he is just. And he, if he's going to stop being just, then it means he stops being good. If he stops being just, it means he's going to stop being all-powerful. He is just. And what it means is that when he bumps up into sin, there's got to be judgment on that. And the way he squares that scenario of sinful me and holy good just him is instead of him dropping that judgment on me and you, he drops that judgment on himself, right? He actually becomes a man. Um, and in, in Jesus, in the cross, uh, he takes what we deserve and then he hands to us his perfect spotless record. Okay, so like, boom. Just basic, that's the gospel, good news of Christianity. Um, and so all, as Christians, like everyone, they fall in love with that. They start with that. But then very often, quickly, once they start walking in the Christian life, then haul off and go like, okay, well, now what I do is I'm going to present to the world this face of like, like, I'm a good, perfect, buttoned up Christian now. Like, if you talk about things like, oh yeah, like, I, the, the sins I used to struggle with then, but like, now that I'm a Christian, like, we're all, we're all good. Um, or maybe even, like, somehow now we've gotten in our head, like, I'm supposed to be impervious to sin now that I'm a Christian. Even though, like, the whole thing started with this idea of, like, grace, and I'm a sinner, and humility, but it just so often just switches gears immediately to like, well, now it's about, like, now I'm not supposed to be a sinner or struggle with things. Or like, maybe there's even this line of thought that cuts into the, the christian culture we live in that says something like, hey, now that I'm a Christian, the thing that I should expect is that, like, for just good things to happen to me. Like, now, like, physically in this world, tem- temporally, like, I should just expect things to get better and better and better for me. Um, and that, like, bad things should happen less and less and less to me. I, have you ever felt any of that in your life? Have you felt any of that just kind of in the christian world swirling around you? Um, like, if you have any of that operative in you or operative around you, around you, Here's going to be the inevitable problem with all that. Um, either, one, when you run into hard things in life, when people don't like you, whatever, some kind of circumstance um, befalls you, when you fail at something, when you fail to get something that you really, really want, um, or two, when you come face to face with the fact that not only are you not impervious to sin, like, it just gets thrown in your face, like, not only am I a sinner, I'm still a really, really big sinner. And so, like, when that, and when one or two or both of those things happen, it is just so easy and natural, because I've seen it happen a bunch of times, to come to the conclusion that either, like, because of that, either this means that God doesn't like me anymore, that there's no grace for me anymore, or maybe even you come to the conclusion that, like, if there is a God, he must just be weak and powerless. And you, you know what? And then 
ultimately the ultimate conclusion could be that you just come to the conclusion that like maybe I was wrong. Maybe this Christianity God thing um, wasn't true. God doesn't exist at all. And look, and I get I get why that line of reasoning can cut in. Um, because actually of scriptures like we just read. Maybe. Because it seems like there's scriptures that seem to say, hey, God is just, he's this guardian, and he's strong to save, and he's big, and he wants to bless you, and he's going to keep you away from, you know, the, the horrible, awful things, and he's going to give you the good things, and he's here to bless us. But then bad things happen to us. <laughs> we feel like really crappy Christians still after we've walked with him maybe for years and years and years. And so the question that I hope is just kind of floating out there is like, yeah, what gives? What gives with that? Like, why do we have scriptures like this that just seem like this? Like, God, is he's just going to smoke the evil and bad of this world. And he's going to be the guardian of his people. And yet his people still suffer. Um, Okay, so tonight, all I really want us to do is to just kind of like step into like that, that question mark and to just think, hey, what does it look like to go on this spiritual journey called Christianity with God as our guardian? What does that actually mean? What does that actually look like? Um, and then maybe we can like dispel just some of like the weird Christian cultural um, mess and junk. So first, let's look at um, how God is our exclusive guardian. And second, how God is our ever-present guardian. So first, God, our exclusive guardian. So the psalm starts, verse 1, with the psalmist again. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come. And the, the language here is depicting the psalmist. You know, he's staring up at these hills. And there's some debate as to what's exactly going on. So on one hand, some people think that He's concerned about the danger of the mountains. Like, ooh, that looks like a perilous journey. There's probably, like, bandits and wild animals up there um, and stuff. So that's, that's one thought, that, that he's afraid. He's looking up the, the hills, and he's intimidated. Another possibility is this. Uh, okay, so in the ancient Near East, if you don't know, this psalm was written by an ancient Near Eastern person, the ancient Near East. Up in the hills, or up as the Bible often refers to them, up in the high places, um, that is where pagan worship would happen. Um, so, like the Canaanite god Baal, or the goddess Asherah, um, things like that. There's a bunch. And so, what the psalmist could be articulating is, all right, I'm going on this journey. And I'm kind of trying to take stock of, as I'm looking up in the hills, I know like, hey, there, there's like a Baal worship site over there. I, like I know there's a little, like, little deity temple thing over here. And as I'm thinking like, how am I going to get through this journey? The psalmist might be going, all right, what resources am I going to tap to get me to the end of this thing? Because like, I could try to tap into those resources up there. And I assume for most of you, the vast majority of you, you aren't necessarily tempted to reach out for Baal worship in your day-to-day life. Um, But do you know what Baal worship and Asher worship, do you know what it entailed? Um, It entailed a lot of cult prostitution. 
It was actually, it, it entailed a lot of sex. The more things change, the more they stay exactly the same. Um, look at, looking at pornography, masturbation, hooking up, very, very popular methods for people today um, to manage their anxiety. Right, to look out at this stressful world and go, how am I gonna make sense of this? How am I gonna feel okay in this? Reach for that. Um, and look, if you if, if that is a struggle of yours, like here at our like we're never we're not trying to do like a weird thing where like zero in on that thing and, and be like we wanna talk to you about that stuff. Like all sin struggles are the same sin struggles. Um, we'd love to I'd love to talk to you about that. Maggie George would love to talk to you about that. Um, so definitely not trying to single out. But like, if that is a sin struggle of yours, it, am I not off base, right, to connect the dots of that to anxiety um, and trying to like manage, manage your anxiety? When are you most likely to reach for those activities? Probably when you're most stressed out. Um, and you use those things to uh, calm yourself, distract yourself. But at the end of the day, right, it's a, it's a coping mechanism to try to manage yourself, manage your life. Um, and we could add a laundry list, add an infinitum of other things and activities uh, we reach for to go like, all right, this is going to give me the power. This is going to give me the security. This is kind of like a little Band-Aid I can slap. Um, over over my life to make me feel okay. Overeating, control eating, overworking, binging Netflix, alcohol, over serving, right? Over Bible study. Like I'm gonna slap this band-aid of like, look how awesome a serving Christian I am. Here's all the Bible studies I go to and how many times I read my Bible, you know, all that stuff. Like you can take any good thing, any good thing, and all those things I just mentioned good like our set we were made as sexual beings um, sex is good it's made for a certain context um, right but we can take any good thing under the sun and we can reach for it and turn it into an ultimate thing and the Bible has a word for that and the word for it is idolatry um, it's but all that it's making idols and it's worshiping them and trying to grab power and strength out of them. Here's the cool thing that the psalmist does is he calls himself out and he calls out that human bent towards idolatry and he kind of reveals the crazy foolishness of it by affirming just like a simple, simple square one biblical truth claim. Verse two. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help, your help. Real, actual help and resources for navigating life exclusively. Exclusively. Come from not the created things, but from the one who created those things to begin with. Right? It's like, it's just this basic, logical truth claim. To take the good things of this world and go, I'm going to use these things the way that makes sense to me, and certainly nothing can go wrong with that plan, is basically the same kind of logic that says, 
Like, you look a car manufacturer in the face and go, hey, hey, cool, cool story, bro. I think I'll decide how much air needs to go in my tires. Like, I'll do that according to what I want to do. Or like, okay, whatever, I hear you. Like, I'll decide whatever grade oil I want to put in my engine. I'll decide if I want to put a ton in there, if I want to put next to nothing in there. Like, whatever I feel like needs to go in there, that's what's right. Right? What is that? That's a recipe for just guaranteeing that your car is going to be like a smoking heap on the side of the road, right? We have to journey. We have to live the Christian life with the help, with the know-how of the one who actually created the universe and us. That the Lord is our guardian. The Lord is our helper. And if the Lord isn't our helper, then we have no help at all. Right? Because it's just a disastrous, like, crapshoot. Okay, so that might logically be an easy concept to grasp. Okay, I get it. Like, God's a creator. Uh, like, he has to be the priority. He has to be the one that sets the agenda. Maybe harder, though, is to know how to tangibly put that into practice. Like, right, that feels, okay, duh. How do we do that? How do we do that? Um, let me, let me kind of offer this as a starting point. Do you remember in the last Harry Potter book? What was the last Harry Potter book called? The Deathly Hallows. The Deathly Hallows, that's right. I couldn't remember. Um, okay, in the last Harry Potter book. Okay, you remember Harry and the gang, they're on the run from Voldemort and all the bad guys. And they're traveling, like warping across the countryside. And every like, new little camp site they go to, they, they set up camp and they stop and they like cast ward spells and invisibility spells and protection spells um, all around them to, so that they can guard, guard themselves. What if we kind of did the same Christian non-witchcraft version of that? What, what do I mean? What if we made a regular practice of just like stopping and installing all along our life, like all like along our day, along our week, just places of fixed prayer and worship. Hey, you know what one of those could be? This, like right here, what we're doing right now, that can be one of those places. What if you just installed in that or installed like, hey, I'm going to just set in stone in my week, small group. Because you know what's going to happen there? I'm going to rub elbows with uh, the Holy Spirit as he is indwelling the other Christians in that group with me, and we're going to read God's word, and we're going to pray for each other. And the Holy Spirit says that he promises to be right then and there when two or more gather in his name. Like, what if we did that? Like, what if we just said, like, I'm going to set along the way as I go just these fixed places where I'm just going to have, like, shouted over me. Where I'm just even going to, like, surrender myself um, to the fact that, like, I am not my own. I belong to the creator and sustainer of the universe. And that person is the only person who can manage me and manage this world rightly. What if we made that a life practice of just like dropping out of our hands everything and stopping and praying, just being with God's people, listening to God's word? That's more than a great start. 
Um, and actually what happens when we do that, we actually make ourselves more aligned with reality. Right? We're going to force into our life like becoming more whole human beings. Because what it means to be rightly aligned with reality is to be somebody that is getting it more and more in your bones that there is a God out there that is sustaining every little pebble, every subatomic particle, every breath in and out I take is just like a sheer expression of his kindness and his grace. And when you live with that in your bones, you become a wholer and fuller person. You just do because you're more tapped into reality. Um, okay, so the Lord, he's our exclusive guardian. And he won't share that exclusivity with anything else. And that's good news. And second, he is our ever-present guardian. All right, what does that mean? You look back in the passage, there's just a list of things that the psalmist rattles off uh, that God does. So God, he's, he's not going to let you get tripped up on the journey. He's not going to let physical exhaustion uh, from the heat and from the sun get to you. He's not going to let the moon touch. That's like the moon, like lunacy, you know, Luna, lunacy, like there's like a connection that like maybe the moon affected mental illness in people. So in other words, he's, he's not going to let mental and emotional problems overtake you. He's going to keep you from evil. Okay? Um, okay, so I want to go back to what we talked about earlier what we kind of introduced this sermon with um, because because there's a, a tension here, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure there are all kinds of ways that God has and will continue to work in the world to keep people's mental states clear and cogent and to physically protect people and he does things to keep people from falling into t- temptation and he guards people from sinning. He does that all the time. He does that in, in ways that like we don't even see or notice. Um, and yet, like we know that all those bad things do happen to believers. They happen to us. Right? Believers get cancer and die. Believers suffer from mental illness. Believers sin. Um, so what are we supposed to do? do with that, right? Like some guardian. I think here's what we do with this. Um, verse, verse 7 and 8 are actually the key here. So verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil and he will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And so what the like what the language here is trying to get at um, is that it's not affirming that like bad things won't happen to believers. He's affirming that even as God's people face bad things, they are guarded from God from the like total consuming evil of it. Like bad things might befall God's people, but God has like undercut. Like the ultimate, final, consuming evil of it. Right? In other words, bad things don't get to have the last word. Bad things, especially, can never separate us 
from God himself, from God's love, from a relationship with us. Like God's even, he's stealing the power from bad things, and he's even reverse engineering them for our good. Romans talks about that a lot. So the Lord is our steadfast, faithful guardian in this life. And if you walk with him, from your going out, in other words, like from the, the moment you were born into this world, to your coming in, your very last breath on earth, from now and forevermore, into all eternity, what this is saying is God loves you. And your ultimate cosmic reality is locked in. And it's locked into everlasting life. It's locked into having like a glorified, resurrected body. It's, it's locked into just the, the riches and the joys and the beauty and the laughs and the songs of heaven with God and his people without end. The worst thing that can ever happen to you when you are walking with the Lord and you are in him is that. The worst thing that can happen to you is all that good stuff. How do we know that? How do we know that? Look, the psalmist, he had a glimpse um, of something here in this passage. And we, on the other side um, of the cross, uh, get an even fuller picture. What's the proof? The proof is that um, God actually became a human being. He stepped into human flesh. Fully God fully human man. Uh, and there was a day when that man, when he looked up at a hill, when he looked up at a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull, and it was called the place of the skull because it was where Romans um, executed people via crucifixion. Um, and that man, Jesus, I bet you it passed through his mind, hey, from where does my help come? Where's my help going to come from? And the thing that happened next was all the bad things. Even the worst thing. Actual separation from God's love. right? Actual separation from the love of God did fall on him. And it fell on him so that it would never fall on you. Ever. It fell on him so that the only thing that could ever touch you was God's warm arms of embrace and love. Right? All the evil, like bad things in this world. And y'all, and like, we're not trying to show, like, there's awful, horrible things that have happened to you. Like, some of you have had incredible injustice inflicted. On you, and we mourn with you. Like we are not for a second trying uh, to act like those things are small. And at the same time, in God, those things have, in an ultimate sense, been completely gutted of their power over you. That they—that is not what defines you. What defines you is not the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Uh, what defines you is the worst thing that ever happened to Jesus, and then that's the best thing that ever happened to you. Friends, Jesus is your guardian. And when you are in him, when you trust in him, nothing can touch you. 
Nothing can touch you but God's embrace. That's good news. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we, we need to know. Um, we need to know the mystery of this, right? We uh, have been called to people that walk, like walk by faith and not by sight. If we were to walk by sight, um, then the thing that would be true, the thing that this psalm would say, I look up to the hills, where does my help come? And the thing is like, there is no help for you. Um, right? Reach down inside of you, claw, scrape, step on people, um, do what you need to do to just like make it out on the other end of this life uh, but then ultimately, really, death is just going to like catch up to you, me, and everybody else. So eh, it was all for nothing. Like, If you are not our help, that is what's true. Lord, help us to not live by sight. Would you help us to live by faith? And that when you say in your word that this is reality, that we would taste it. Man, it would taste this good to know that nothing... Nothing this world can throw at us. Nothing our, our sin-soaked hearts can, can conceive and, and blow up in our life. Nothing can separate us from the love of God because of you, Jesus, because we're in you. Um, will you help us believe that more tonight? And it's your name we pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If y'all are interested in joining us for a future worship night, we would absolutely love to see y'all at All Face Chapel uh, on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events that we might be putting on throughout the semester. Uh, Thank y'all so much for listening, and we hope to see y'all around sometime.